We'll be talking about it. <laughs> All right, let's get this going. In three, two. Hello, I'm Dr. Jerry Coyne, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Uh, coming at you from Secret Studio in Abbotsford, BC, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and my doctor told me I could be addicted to placebos. <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team that thinks that the so-called New Testament is pretty old. Maybe they should call it the old and the most recent testament. <laughs> that works. <laughs> She'll tell you that drugs might lead to nowhere, but at least it's the scenic route. Nancy. Absolutely. <laughs> Taken it many times. <laughs> He used to wear his heart on his sleeve, now he wears his liver on his pant leg. Scott? Definitely. It's kind of gross, though. <laughs> and you know her math ain't great when she admitted that five out of four people have trouble with fractions. Christine? <laughs> <laughs> I don't do math. <laughs> Guys, welcome back. We're going to have a good show today. We'll be talking later on to William Zingroni. He's an author. But first... A little chit-chat, or a lot of chit-chat. we got a lot to cover <laughs> this Understatement. Week. Yeah, pretty much. I know the world just doesn't want to stay still from week to week, does it? You know, this year we've been having a lot of oof, big stuff to cover, for sure. Guys, remember that guy, that uh, rapper, B.O.B.? Yes. Well, you know, he was. Uh, we talked last week how he was uh, trying to get... Uh, <laughs> uh, funding to prove that the earth was yep. flat oh yeah flat. well nasa <laughs> responded or the astronauts of nasa responded in spectacular fashion via twitter <laughs> at scott kelly so he says show me the curve well maybe donate some funds raised to puerto rico instead and terry verts said that he tweeted video from the uh, international uh, space station classy <laughs> and he says i flew around it <laughs> Buzz Aldrin even came in. He wow. says, I did it too. It's called a Norbit. <laughs> <laughs> so B.O.B. tweeted back, well, people usually discourage you from doing something when they have something to hide. Seriously? This guy just ain't learning. Don't no. murder people. Um, they're, they're not <laughs> I'm not trying to hide something. <laughs> the astronauts aren't discouraging anybody from doing this. Go ahead. Train to be an astronaut. Go up and fly your orbit. Exactly. I mean, they, exactly. They'll tell you that. Look, you got a lot of work to do, but go for it. <laughs> Oh, and we have to, of course, bow our head, I guess, for Tom Petty. You know, very, uh, very sad. Dead uh, at the age of sixty-six from a heart attack. One um, more of our cultural icons. Gone. Absolutely. I mean, this guy's music pretty much defined almost a generation. You could say. Yeah. Problem is, we're not replacing those cultural icons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're just Ow. losing them. How? <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, there would be a lot of people who might want to differ with you on that opinion. Oh yeah, sure. I'm sure. Name Drake, a few. I'm sure, I'm sure Drake and Kanye West can replace Tom Petty. <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm just saying. <laughs> the comments of Kevin are not necessarily those of Left of the Valley. You know? <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was kind of odd the way it happened. Did you guys follow the way it happened? He kind of had a heart attack uh, like in the morning, but yeah, then he, they, they 
kind of declared him dead, and I guess they transferred him to a better hospital when he was upgraded to alive. <laughs> and oh, wow. He, he kind of held on. He was holding on there, but in the evening, he finally, you mm-hmm. know, passed. Uh, passed. He, he was brain dead when they finally disconnected him from the machines, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's Pretty such young a shame. Too, 66. So 66. Hopefully, yeah, it was, man. hopefully it was quick, and he didn't let's hope he suffer. Didn't, yeah, let's hope he didn't feel anything. Yeah, exactly. Just down and gone, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, unfortunately, an icon passes, so... Thank you so much, Sean, for all the wonderful left, songs. He left a big legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, big shows to fill. You know, I uh, really liked, especially uh, when he. Uh, well, you know, so many songs you can name about him. I'm not going to get <laughs> into that. Uh, let's get into the not so fun. There, uh, you guys heard about the Edmonton attack? Yes, yeah. I did. Didn't make the news as much as the other attack that we'll talk about. This is a Somali refugee. It's it's, t- it's terrible when you, yeah, when you have to which preface when you have to preface this by prioritizing yeah. the attack. Let's yeah. talk about which, the which, attack. Yeah, which, yeah, which, which attack was this? Was this a five star attack? <laughs> only a one star <laughs> attack? How much ink did get? I mean, holy cow! Well, this was a Somali refugee. His name was Abdullahi Hassan Sharif. Uh, 30 years old, he stabbed a police officer after hitting him with a car, and then he got into a truck and he plowed into pedestrians. Four injured, nobody dead. Okay, uh, that, that's, the, a, that's a plus. No that's one a plus. died. Here's another plus, because we'll, we'll certainly go into the other story with that too. He was arrested without shots fired. Wow. God, nobody shot anything. Oh, Edmonton. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, Trudeau came in, came out after that, and he said, uh, "We w- we cannot and will not let violent extremism take root. Canada's strength comes from diversity, and we will not be cowed by those who seek to divide us or promote fear." Good that, speech. Can that we live is up the way a leader should speak. Good speech. Can we live up to it? Exactly. Let, let's do so, and maybe maybe our American. I think can, I think the police showed the first step there by not totally. shooting this guy. Yeah. The, the police showed that hey, we can take somebody into custody without killing them. Exactly. Um, remember last week we were talking about the Islamic Society of BC. Yes. Uh, being audited, the Canadian Revenue Agency says that apparently it received funding from Qatar and has a link to uh, and uh, that one of the sites has a link to an anti-Semitic uh, content. <laughs> which urges jihad against Jews and denounces democracy and approves killing of ex-Muslims. That's really disturbing. It is very, very disturbing. I think, I think we're, I, I hate to bring this up, but it's, you know, people say we shouldn't stereotype and, and, and we shouldn't have Islamophobia, and then something like this comes out of the woodwork. Yeah. Now, you can look at that one man in Edmonton who carried out a, a, terror, a terror act and state, he was a single person acting. Yeah. There was nobody helping him. It was it was his choice. But when a mosque is relating themselves to this type of uh, material, well, now we have a problem because who are they teaching this to? Who were they providing this material exactly. to? Yeah. So I and I really think the Muslim society community really needs to really wake up and start stop saying, "Oh no, Islam is a religion of peace." No, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, it's not. It, it just isn't. It I've got be. no problem with well, the average Muslim. It, it can be if you take that violent element out of it. But, but there the, seems to be an that's adherence the to the fundamentals of the religion. Exactly. That's the, the problem with it. Well, to be fair, has I don't think anyone at the mosque has replied or given any explanation yet. No, they, they, they took down the link and 
put up another link. But still, yeah, I mean, the internet, it, it, nothing goes away. Oh, yeah. You know, it, what they should be doing, of course, that's very judgmental of me, but what they should be doing is providing some kind of an explanation yes. or, you know, talk about why this happened and do a little community relations before yes. this gets totally out of hand. Because, you know, all of our assumptions may be dead on, but you know, we, we really have to hear their side of it yeah. before we continue to judge them. Oh, yeah. I've, I, and like I said, I'm, I'm not, uh, I've got nothing against the average Muslim person. Uh, the average Muslim person is just the average person, right? They are just but average people. There is yeah. something absolutely rotten at the core of Islam, as well as Christianity. There is something rotten at the core of that religion, and they really need to reform it. They really need to yeah. wake up about, about it and do how something. About, how about not reforming it and let's just close it down well yeah i'm just trying to be a bit more realistic, realistic. <laughs> the odds of islam just disappearing tomorrow or slim <laughs> oh, not, not disappearing just let's close it down i i really do oh, I totally appreciate i appreciate happen. the separation of church and state i appreciate the fact that or not the fact the idea because it's not a fact our government is intertwined with religion no matter what which way you look at it but we shouldn't be it should be secular Mm-hmm. We should stop this governance uh, religion having their fingers in the government. It shouldn't be there. You know, this, uh, this, uh, let's do a, a little detour here to the left. <laughs> to the left. <laughs> the, um, I, I don't have this in my notes, but do you guys hear that the, um, the new head of the NDP federally is a uh, devoted Sikh? Yes, I, I heard about that. that. I, and I guess, he's quite a charismatic figure. I don't well, have I guess his name. He's quite, he's quite patient, too. Uh, oh, yes, there's, there's a that, wonderful video of him. Yeah. Uh, uh, that he was attacked at, during the middle of a speech by a woman that was telling him that yeah, compare me to a Muslim, to turn, and he, he was, was able just to, to no. turn that right around. I mean, because his reaction was so calm, yes, and so you know, why are you attacking me like this? He, he, he was obviously he was interrupted by this obviously ignorant, ignorant mm-hmm. woman that was calling him a Muslim, and he's a Sikh. I mean, he's got the turban and everything. Yeah. I mean, he's he, this woman obviously didn't know squat the hell no, was she, she was has no about. idea. What but she's he, talking he was about. super patient with her the whole time, and he was saying, "No, no, we, we're here to promote love and understanding, mm-hmm. and we love you, and blah blah blah." And well, this guy is now the head of the uh, anybody would look look that up. Somebody look that up. The, I don't have my phone. Uh, on. Oh, great! I'll have to look it up. <laughs> what are you looking for? Were you looking for the uh, the new leader of the NDP, new federal NDP, and. Uh, there's a, there's now a, a a poll that are asking Canadians, how do you feel about uh, I guess a visible minority being the head of uh, being a, a potential prime minister? I and have no issue with that. I have no actually, issue with seventy percent of Canadians said they had no issue with that. Go That's, Canada. Uh, I, would, I, I hope I'm I would expect actually I, I would Jagmeet expect Singh. that to be higher in Canada. Mm-hmm. I would I would like it to be eighty. Percent. I mean, you've got to account for, you know, people who are prejudiced regardless mm-hmm. of what country mm-hmm. they're in. They're just, you know, yeah, that's right. how they're oriented. What was his name, but, Scott? Jagmeet Singh. Okay, perfect. I knew yeah. it was the same. That's J-A-G-M-E-E-T, Singh. Nice, charismatic fellow. Uh, the, the Lawyer, only, martial artist, and new NDP leader. There we go. Good for him. The only the only issue I have with this this fellow that, you know, I, I'm not I'm not saying I wouldn't vote for him. I, I'd, I'd love to listen to his policies and his, where do you want to go. Uh is the devout part. He's a devout Sikh. So he's wearing the kirpan and he's he's, you know, I don't I don't I don't think devotion to religion and politics mixes as well. It just it just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Well, well you that have depends to ask on which whether comes he, first. Yeah. So well, well when you're devout, that usually comes first. So so with you, Kevin, 
it's the devout, whether he was a devout oh, yeah. Christian or yeah. devout Jew, a devout whatever. Absolutely. That's the, that's uh, the our, our, our ex-premier, Christy Clark, she was a devout Christian. I think she went over the line as well. She know? was uh, a devout yeah. Christian? Oh, absolutely. She was having a the way she breakfast all the, the time. The way she screwed the teachers, <laughs> the way she... Um, they worship money. That's what they worship. Yeah, she, she spent money she didn't have. Yeah. Ooh, wow, well, devout I have, Christian. I have exciting Canadian news. Oh, sure. Well, specifically in BC. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but um, with the NDP um, being our like head government now, mm-hmm. um, they I don't know if they've passed it yet or they're um, trying to get legislation passed to change the day that we vote on. Oh, really? They're making it a Saturday. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I'm like... Yeah. That actually and, makes and, more and, sense. And, in, and I think it's going to be in October mm. instead of May. It actually makes more sense. Voting oh, on a Saturday makes perfect sense because most people, yep. there are people that work Saturdays, yes. but most people don't work on Saturday. Yep. And if you provide advanced voting for the people who do work weekends, mm-hmm. then they can do the... Wasn't there yeah. a law Wasn't there a law that said that your, your employer had to give you time to yeah. go vote? Yes, they do have to give you one hour to go. I think it's one hour to go to your But if you work station. in Vancouver... And your voting station's in mission. Yeah. But you can vote by... Uh, here's the thing. You can vote by... They give you so many options. Mm-hmm. You yes. can vote by mail. You can yeah. um, You can do the advanced polls. They give you several several attempts mm-hmm. at advanced polls. It's not one day. It's it's a multiple. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, yeah. So All, also, they're trying to get money out of politics. Yes. Yes. Go Canada. <laughs> we talked about this with Aaron <laughs> Roth. I think that's a good thing to take the money out of the politics. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, moving on. Did you guys hear that the Satanic Temple actually won an appeal in Missouri? What? I did, did hear about this. There's an abortion case in Missouri. This is the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeal. Um, Missouri has a 72-hour waiting period when you want to have an abortion, right? Um, it's an obstacle to women's uh, free exercise, and that's what they argued in court. And it was against her religion. Uh, and they said that because in Missouri, they say that life begins at conception. And uh, they argued that that was a religious argument because there's no scientific yeah. backing behind that. And they, they won. So now this is going to go to the Supreme Court. But I think last, was it last year or earlier this year, they were planning that. And I think we mm-hmm. might have might have talked about it. Oh, I'm sure we probably But have. I am so proud of those guys because <laughs> in, in many ways, they're like the ACLU. You yeah. know, they <laughs> yep. find the, exactly the, the narrow path to victory. Yes. And they just... You know, go for it for all all they're worth. And when they found, you know, the seventy-two hours players, is, <laughs> you know, that that's that that it's that it, they turn the re, the religious part on its head and mm-hmm. use it against. You gotta them, love the Satanists for great. that. Every time I see a story like that, I just almost want to sign up with the yeah. temple just to get <laughs> things done. <laughs> Maybe we can be honorary well, members. I thought, they, I thought they were actually atheists. They, they are. are. They are. They are. Yeah. They are. Yeah, so. there's, there's two. There's a satanic temple. They're essentially atheists that like to troll the Christians and call yeah. themselves Satanists. And then of course. The Church of Satan, and that's those are those are quite rare, and those are real believers. Yeah, they actually Lucifer believe in. Yeah. You know, they're really like activism atheists on steroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they, much. they go for it. They don't sit around and. Well, let, let's face you know. it. I mean, come on. Even take the religion out of it. Does it matter whether a fetus is considered alive or not? Does it matter? Well, it's it's yeah. either you've got it. There yeah, can't I think be you, a you need, you need to rephrase start, that. You need to rephrase it. Whether a fetus is considered a person or not. A person or not. Well, even a person. Um, we right now are going into the, the field of, uh, 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 what do you call that? Euthanasia. Mm-hmm. Where people can decide for themselves if they want to end their life. Yeah. 
If a woman, oh, no, we're getting into yeah, it. Yeah, way yeah. heavy. Let's That's heavy. That That's heavy. Let's not open that can. Heavy. And two hours later. Yeah, it's such a heavy subject. Did you guys hear that a North Carolina woman invented a Bigfoot spray? A what? A Bigfoot spray. Why did that sound oh, like, that's right. did that sound like Chewy from... Uh, yeah. yeah, well, it's about the closest sound to a Bigfoot I could get. <laughs> no Apparently one's ever seen a Bigfoot, have they? Her name is Allie Webb, and she sells, sells it for a $7 a bottle. Oh, that's reasonable. <laughs> that is reasonable, so I think. if you want to attract Bigfoot, <laughs> you want to attract Sasquatch and Bigfoot. <laughs> hey, and, and I, hear, I hear that it'll actually cure cancer. Yeah, probably. Take our product. When they ask her... How do you know it works? And she replied by it, how do you know it doesn't? Oh, my Well, that's, that's pretty good. I, well, she's using the classic religious uh, comeback. As many times as Bigfoot has come too close to me, and I have said to myself, if I only yeah, had a repellent. Spray, yeah, if I only had a repellent. <laughs> now, is this a repellent or like an attractant? Attractant. This is an attractant. Oh, an attractant. This is attractant. Oh, so we could spray, no. we could spray okay. trees and, and food out in the bush. Never and mind. Then, and then set the cameras up to watch for Bigfoot? Exactly. We wow. Can do that. <laughs> wow. And of course, the cameras all have to be out of focus and the lowest resolution you can mm-hmm. find. Preferably from like the 1940s. We need to get our Bigfoot expert back to see if that spray actually has in it the things that would uh, attract. We should buy him a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you have you guys heard that? Apparently, scientists have found evidence that our brains might actually drain waste. This is actually postulated in 1816 by Paolo Amasgini. Um, Some volunteers had some dye injected, and when they followed with an MRI. Uh, they've discovered that the brain has signs of a lymphatic system which transports immune cells and drains waste cool. away from your brain. So that's kind of cool, learning well, more and more uh, about the brain. You would have mm-hmm. to think that it would work that way. Yeah. Makes sense. And finally, we guess we Some have to people... talk about what really has been going on in news all over the place, the Vegas shooting. Uh, uh, all right, this very is... sad. Stephen Paddock, 64-year-old retired rich fella. Uh, he uh, used to uh, dabble in real estate. He sends his wife to the Philippines with a hundred thousand. Um, she wasn't his wife. Was his girlfriend? Yeah. Okay. Very with, good. With a hundred thousand uh, dollars, <laughs> and, uh, and then he went to Mandela Bay Resort and opened fire on the, the a country festival across the street. Fifty nine dead, including himself. Five hundred plus injured. Forty seven guns were recovered from three locations. That's insane. Uh, this hits close to home because one of the victims it was somebody I knew. Oh no! My my um one of my good friends um knew one of the people who died. Yeah, there was a uh, a young fellow. His name was Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a mechanic that lived right here in Maple Ridge, oh. and uh, he was uh, one of my customers because oh. I, yeah, Jacob Brothers. I mean, it's it's not like I knew him personally, like no, I knew no, you but guys. You, you knew, but him. I've I've talked with him yeah. several times, and you know, so, I I knew him. Oh, sorry to hear I'm that. I'm so Kevin. sorry. Well, no, it's. You know, I, I Monday when I heard the news, I called his boss right away, Rick, and I said, Rick, is yeah. there anything I could do to, to help? And he said, well, I'll try to keep the press out of here because <laughs> that's what was happening. The press was trying to go in to talk to his uh, fellow uh, uh, employees and workers. Um, you know, what really irks me the most about all this is nothing's going to get done about this. Uh, this this is, we, we can see the problem. We know there's a the, the America's got a gun problem, and yet no nothing is being done about this. And I don't know what to say. You guys have any thought? On well, this I think you're right in terms of nothing substantive is is going 
to be done because the NRA has bought and sold so many people in Congress, and this has been going on. But um, some of the scuttlebutt that I've been hearing is that the NRA would be open to regulating the, um, uh, what do you call those buck? The stocks, bump stocks. stocks. And um, that would be perceived as them doing a good thing so, so and yet not have anything to do with legislation that would restrict the actual use of guns. But this is just one well, of those is, little accessories that's proved to be... Why yeah. do they have an accessory like a bump stock, which enables you to fire at an automatic rate of fire from a semi-automatic weapon? Well... Why would you need that? It's not they're the just same, because they're doing this because there's a market for it. It's 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 the same thinking that says yes. There's a market yes. for nuclear warheads too, but we don't go around selling them. Well, but Some Scott, <laughs> when you when you think about the laws and you think about just recently the Republicans. Um, Trump at the head, of course, said, yes, it's okay for people with mental illness to purchase guns. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is the and, same. And not just like any mental illness, mental illness that inhibits you from having a bank account. Yeah. Like severe yeah. mental illness. Yeah, you're not allowed yeah. to drive. You're not allowed to have a bank account. But here's your gun. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. That's right. That's why I said wow. the NRA has pretty well. The, the, well, the I, heard, I heard they were also trying to get silencers they yes. want people to be able yes. to use, and and i'm thinking to right. myself why yeah uh here's well a, here's a trump few. jr says it's a health issue for yeah. ears here's a, here's right, a few when uh, you're taking that bad guy down the biggest thing you're worried about your hearing <laughs> there's, a, there's a few there's a few stats here uh, that most people are not aware of um canada for example has a lot of guns too mm-hmm. per capita uh we are all, we are also a gun loving country we really are um, well, we like our regulations. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Uh, there's about 200 guns death per year in Canada uh, with a population of 35 million. Now, the Americans have 350 million. So mm-hmm. they have, they're tenfold our population. Their gun death is over 11,000. So even um, if you were... Isn't that specifically homicide? Because they have more that are oh, suicide I, and yeah, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I they don't, haven't included those numbers. I don't okay. have that. I, I don't have that precise number. Um, even if you were to compare Canada per capita to the Americans, tenfold. So just add a decimal to our two hundred, you get two thousand deaths mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. They're still five, six times higher than us. Yeah. Uh, and there's another stat that pointed out that since 1968, there's been more U.S. civilian death per gun. Than in all the wars the Americans have been. That's insane. 1.3 million death in American wars, 1.5 of civilian death by gun in the States since 1968. Wow. That should be, if that's not a wake up call, I don't know what well, is. Well, guys, what are you to do when that two year old picks your gun up because you left it on the table? I mean, that two year old should know better. That gun's loaded. <laughs> I keep that gun loaded to protect me from the guy who might come through in a thousand years. Yeah. That two-year-old shouldn't have touched my gun. I, I, th- I also think that one of the big, the big uh, players that is to blame for this gun mentality in the States is uh, the media. And, and I'm not just saying like the news and stuff like that. I'm also talking about the film industry. They've been glorifying guns forever. Think of all the spaghetti westerns in the old days. You know, think of all the, the time you were somebody who sh- Clint Eastwood would shoot and the guy would just fly through the window. There's the myth around the gun now, mm-hmm. which is very hard to dispel. And and the idea that now when you li- listen to American news, it's 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 horrible. You just turn on an American show uh, and they go to the news and say, "We'll show you tonight how to spare, uh, change your spare tire on the side of the road without getting raped." News at six. Uh, 
<laughs> the sensationalism in the media in the States is so, so far beyond what it needs to be. And I think all these these factors have come together. And now people glorify guns. They, they're, they're, you know, they, they think there's somebody breaking into their door every five minutes or well, so. And it also, doesn't happen. Also, they, they, the mentality of a gun is almost like a security blanket. They yes. don't know how to get through their day without it. Exactly. <laughs> but they don't know how to use it in the first place. They don't, but they don't, they don't not, realize see, that. Uh, yeah, and that's it. They don't realize that, look, because you have a pistol... And, and that's what it's going to come down to. You're not carrying long arms around town. You have a pistol in your hand or it's in your purse or it's in your pocket or it's down the back of your pants or down the front of your pants, which I really wouldn't recommend <laughs> because none of them are smart enough to say, keep a round out of the chamber, keep the chamber empty until you're ready to use the firearm. Yeah, exactly. and, and the first thing they say is, well, what good is it if the chamber's empty? Well, it only takes a second and a half to cock the firearm and, and load the chamber. Not even. Well, I, I you know, put I put all the blame, and this is probably very, you know, prejudicial of me, but I put almost I'll put almost all the blame at the NRA mm-hmm. because most if, you, if every time they take a poll to see about gun regulation that would help promote safety and and uh, lessen uh, accidental. Um, killings by ch- with children and so forth. They're just the safety aspect of guns, that kind of regulation, background checks. Uh, 70 or 80% of people who are sometimes members of the NRA agree that some type of regulation um, would probably be better yeah. overall. And the NRA is the one that says no. Yeah. We, you know, yeah, we're behind the gun. We, the, it's the the, um, the the gun manufacturing, the gun use. They want to sell as many of them. They um, absolutely refuse to do anything about it. And they use the Second Amendment. You know, the that everybody has a right to have the gun, yeah. and they keep promoting that. And I think if if that can be um, reversed, mm-hmm. then I think there's a good a good chance that there can be some common sense regulations. But, but so, that's a big if. The, and the irony the, of it all is also that you're not allowed to bring a gun to an NRA show. <laughs> well, no, no, but, but on with what I was saying, that the, the average person, never mind where they are in the world, does not know how to use a gun effectively in combat. And let's face it, if you're going to take down a perpetrator, that's combat. That person may be shooting back at you. The only people who are trained in that situation are military and or law enforcement. And (laughs) those people practice and they practice those combat Mm -hmm. maneuvers and they're taught those combat maneuvers, how to pull that weapon, how to, figure out what your aim is going to be, where the projectile is going to go. Think about these things. The average citizen doesn't care. They, they don't take the shoot. time. They just think it's a simple matter of pointing and shooting. Yeah. They a lot don't of realize that, that pointing and shooting in a combat scenario with a pistol at 10 paces, you're, you couldn't hit the broadside of a barn unless you're fully trained to do it. Yeah. And you, uh, Scott, you're an old soldier. You'll agree with me that uh, guns are great at a distance, but close, close quarters is a horrible weapon. I'd rather have a baseball bat. Yeah, or, or a knife or, or something. Or yeah, knife. that's much more well, dangerous. Uh, well. Yeah, knife. Yeah, very dangerous. But a knife can be dangerous to you as well. So, mm-hmm. well, we'll have to see. It, maybe in a couple of weeks, if if the Congress actually gets this bump stock 
law passed. That's just kind of a narrow window. Mm. Maybe maybe that'll be a first step. I doubt it, yeah. but it, the, at least it will eliminate yeah. the, the assault right. And who? In, there's no reason for those kind of assault weapons to be used any way for any reason in in the uh, in the world really unless you're a combat uh, yeah unless you're actually in person. combat yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. so anyway we'll move we'll move on from that story we'll get back to it some other time i'm sure sad um i i want i want to take a moment to, to be really serious here um uh even to the audience uh, you know there's i've met a lot of very very interesting people and uh ever since we've been doing this little show uh we've met some great intellectuals and uh, but there is one person that I've really, really, uh, really learned to appreciate a lot over time, and uh, I just wanted to say that uh, it's our dear Nancy, because <laughs> it was her birthday. <laughs> so I had to come in and say, my dear Nancy, happy birthday. Happy and birthday. this before you give it to me was actually oh. your gift. Oh, happy birthday, Nancy! Oh. Happy birthday, Nancy! Oh. Can I, can you, she turned can you 29 see again. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this year I'll be 30 again. <laughs> oh, Nancy's been oh with us goodness. since almost the beginning. Oh, and oh wow. She's unwrapping a shirt, everybody. She's Just got a t-shirt. Just as this isn't a visual medium. Oh, I am oh, the amazing too bad we didn't have a visual. <laughs> and it says, I am the oh. amazing Nancy. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Randy is competition. Isn't <laughs> lovely? Thank you. So, my dear, from all of us, lots oh, of love. That's so adorable. I'm just, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> Thank you very, very oh, much. Right. I love how it's in Disney font. There we go. There that we is go. Beautiful. It, everybody, it's in I Disney font. <laughs> old, but amazing. <laughs> not old. No, she's 29. Yeah, or that's 30. right. 30. I would have put, well, put her at about 24. But 24. <laughs> I know. I know. I go by decades. <laughs> the 24th decade. Hey, at least it's not the 24th this time century. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Love you all. Thank oh. you so much. I wear it and have a lot of fun with it. All right. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Oh, at first when you started about talking about Sirius, I thought, oh my gosh, who died? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on, I guess it's time for the stay in history. Here we go, since I've lived most of it, here we go. <laughs> this day in history. Oh, let me get myself together here. Which, as we know, is a roundup of those events and people that altered and illuminated the days between October the 2nd and October the 8th. And I, it's really nice because this week was just normal <laughs> in history. I think we need just a little normality, a little sanity. So no big whoops, but just kind of you interesting just had a little big story. whoop. Yeah, you'd be able to put it to the <laughs> Just kind of interesting little little stories that that aren't going to upset anybody one way or the other, which is great. And to start off with, October the second was the International Day of Nonviolence, <laughs> which is always observed observed on the, the 2nd of October because it was the birthday of Mahatma Gandhi. Oh, so every uh, every October, which is lovely to be, you know, to share. It's good that he shared a birthday with me. <laughs> we had many conversations. He was about one of your pupils, was he? Pardon? He was one of your disciples, was he? A absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and so fashion forward. Um, October the 3rd was the start of the Albuquerque International Balloon Days, which is wonderful if anybody ever has a chance to go. 
October the 4th was World Animal Day. And in 1582, on October the 4th, the Gregorian calendar took effect in Catholic countries as Pope Gregory the uh, 13th issued a decree stating that the day following Thursday, October the 4th, 1582, listen up now, the day following Thursday, October the 4th, 1582 would be Friday, October the 15th, 1582, and that corrected a 10-day error accumulated by the Julian calendar, and uh, Britain and the American colonies adopted the Gregorian calendar in 1752, so there was quite wow. a lap, but there were really people Really sucks who, if your birthday was in there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah to lose those, those 10 days, there was a lot of dismay in a lot of towns when all of a sudden they wondered what happened, who stole those, those 10 days. <laughs> October the 4th, 1976, Barbara Walters became the first woman to co-anchor the evening news at ABC. And in 1993, Ruth Bader Ginsburg joined the United States Supreme Court as its second woman justice. Go girls. Mm -hmm. love, love those kind of dates. October the 7th is Emergency Nurses Day. And in 1862, speaking of emergency nurses, Royal Columbian Hospital, which is right here in our, in our neighborhood um, in the province of British Columbia, opened. And that was uh, that was, that was a, the first hospital. Yeah, the first the first. I didn't realize for a Royal long Columbian, time. Royal Columbian, I believe so. Yeah, but I mean, it was. It was the first first hospital. Um, 1993, October the 7th, Toni Morrison became the first African-American woman to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. Wow. And th here's a, this is a really a cute story. Um, this really didn't have a date to it, so I, I stuck it in here because I thought it would be fun. Um, back in World War II, Poland really um, had a lot of trauma. After the Nazis invaded Poland in, um, in uh, September of 1939, things just really went south for them. They, they had, a, had an awful time. Um, and um, after, after that, they had a Soviet invasion, mm -hmm. so they, they were really hurting. So the country only had experienced a couple of decades of independence before it found itself under occupation again. So the, uh, the Poles created their own army, despite being technically on Soviet soil. So they, they formed their own army, and the army became the Polish II Corps, led by a lieutenant general. So in the spring of 1942, this newly formed army left the, uh, the Soviet uh, USSR for Iran. So on the way to Tehran, the traveling army, and they were accompanied by some stragglers and some other people that decided to go with them, they encountered this Iranian boy who had found an orphan bear cub. And one of the civilians traveling with the army was so taken with the cub that one of the soldiers purchased him for a little tin of, of food, which was Everybody came out the winner on that. So this little cub became part of the 22nd Artillery Supply Company and soon received its own Polish name, which was Wojtek, which means joyous soldier. And Wojtek traveled with the company through the Middle East. I mean, a pet is nice a pet, mascot. but they had... <laughs> they had a bear. <laughs> they had a bear as this mascot. So it grew up with the soul. It, uh, it, it started to grow up. 
with the soldiers and began to have some habits that are not net would not necessarily be found in the wild. So <laughs> he would drink milk from an old vodka bottle. He drank beer and wine. He smoked. Oh my <laughs> and gosh. With, the, with the army buddies, and he really he was a, a really very very tame bear, and he became a sort of light in the midst of the war. And he'd wrestle with the fighters, and he even learned to salute when uh, greeted by <laughs> company. So his fate with the company fell on uncertain times in 1943 when the unit prepared to board a ship and join the Allied campaign against Italy in Naples. And officials in Alexandria, um, in Alexandria Egypt, refused to let the bear on as he was not officially part of the army. So the, the company got their heads together and um, decided in a very quick, if not bizarre, workaround, they made Wojtek a private in the Polish <laughs> Corps and gave him a rank, a service number, and a pay book to legitimize, legitimize his status. That's awesome. It's so cute. It worked, and he joined his comrades, went to Italy as a legitimate member of the army. This is so cute. It really is. By the time they went to Italy, he had grown from a cub to a six-foot-tall, 485-pound adult Syrian brown bear. So the company taught him how to carry crates of mortar rounds because he was big mm -hmm. and he could do that. And he, he did his duties without fail. He was just so tame and and so enamored, you know, of the attention that he was getting. He did just about anything he was asked. So he survived the conflict and uh, achieved immortality um, by getting the Polish High Command official uh, the official emblem of the 22nd Artillery Supply Company. And then when the war came to a close in 1945, he retired from Army life, went to Scotland with a uh, couple of his fellow soldiers, and retired in the Edinburgh Zoo. So that was the story of uh, Wojtek, the, uh, the Polish bear. What you might not know is after that, he also got a gig as the spokesperson for uh, Sugar Crisp cereal. He became <laughs> Sugar Bear. <laughs> and then the A&W Root Beer. Root Bear, Bear. bear and yeah. then Smokey the Smokey, Bear. Smokey, Smokey the Bear, like, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusually and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nancy. That was great. I love that little bear story. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really cute. It really Very was. Cute. It's nice nice to have a week in history where nothing nothing bad happened. <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, at least that I called out of the nah, history book. I guess next year you can start calling out this week's shooting, I guess. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, before we go talk to uh, Williams and Grooney, let's do our favorite segment that we all love called Another Brilliant Moment. Brought to you by religion. Thank you. <laughs> you know, we talked about the shooting, and there was a lot of nasty responses to the shooting in Vegas that took place uh, late Sunday night there. Some of them blame Muslims for the violence. Some of them blame liberals for not respecting God. Or blame America for being wicked. But one of them from Ryan McKnight, the founder <laughs> of Mormon League. Oh, brother. He takes the cake. The quote says, uh, the tweet says, if the victims of Las Vegas incident were observing the Sabbath day, they would have been safe. Uh, Hashtag pray that Vegas repents. 
Oh. Well, but in actuality, the Sabbath is from sun Friday night to, to Saturday, Saturday night. exactly. <laughs> so it wouldn't have helped them. <laughs> there's there's nothing like making people feel worse after a major tragedy. You know, religion just, is so good for that because right? exactly. God. Yeah, because God. Oh. So. I guess, I don't know, do, do anybody know if the Mormons have a different Sabbath? They, they, they just think maybe Sunday, um, I just think, like Christian? Well, like, yeah, uh, a lot of people just don't understand what the original Sabbath days were. Yeah, the original Sabbath was... Yeah. yeah Sunday is supposed to be the first day of the week and not the last yeah. one like because of the weekend thing. So, he's an idiot. Okay, uh, here's another story. Um, did you guys hear that the Trump administration is facing strong backlash from civil rights group after voting against... A UN resolution that condemns using the death penalty to punish consensual same-sex relations. Yeah, and, I, it, and it's that's not a even, jaw. That absolutely is a jaw it's, dropper. It's actually, and the thing is, it's even worse because it's not just same-sex relationships. It's also blasphemy, mm. apostasy. It's really yeah. The UN Human Rights Council approved the measure on Friday with a 27 to 13 vote, with seven countries abstaining. The United States, led by Ambassador Nikki Haley voted for an amendment to the resolution that said the death penalty was not necessarily a human right violation. What? And voted against amendments urging countries to stop using experimental drugs in execution. The human right campaign called the vote beyond disgraceful. It, it was. Didn't it pass, though? Oh, it did pass. Oh, yeah, yeah it, it did passed. Pass. Yeah. But still, the fact that, you know... They are... Yeah. <laughs> I so, think... It, I... I, I... I'm going to open my mouth and then shut it because I'm probably wrong. But isn't that the first time that the, that the U.S. has been on the opposite mm. side of any human rights voting they, whatsoever? When the death penalty comes up, they always vote against it. Yeah, yeah. They because like the yeah. they still have the death penalty. Yeah. And they apparently but don't want to But so <laughs> this, this, is been, this is so disgraceful because it, it, for, it has to do with with gays. And, I've been saying this for weeks now. The yeah. U.S. are one step away from becoming a theocracy. They really are. Yeah. Uh, while last week's vote is not evidence of any significant policy change, I'm not so sure about that, it does show that the kind of company the U.S. keeps along among nations that support the death penalty. Twelve of the countries joined the United States in voting against the resolution, including Egypt, uh, Ethiopia... Uh, for same, uh, Saudi Arabia, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, they're in there. They're in there with the you know the top mm-hmm. countries. Yeah, top countries it. in the world. Yeah. yeah, nothing but the best. Although the the U.S. is selling new uh, weapons to Saudi Arabia, I heard. No, they're yeah. going to be selling. I forget what Although it was. Although we shouldn't though. be too high and mighty about that because Canada does the same thing too. So anyway, uh, what can you say? <laughs> yeah. I I, I don't know. I, I America the latest get the, rid of the death penalty. Oh, yeah, I agree. The, the latest poll that they've taken um, in, in terms of asking the people in the U.S., do you think our country is heading in the right direction? Only 24% of the, of the population said that they're heading in the right direction. So in, in terms of your um, comment about theocracy, I don't... I, I, with 24%, I think the U.S. still has a chance to pull to I pull sure out of it and redeem themselves. But No, they don't. <laughs> Donald Trump at the helm. No, it, it, it will. Trump, it, he, he'll, he, he's heading for a fall. It's just a matter of how much damage is going to have to be undone after what's, he's gone. What's, what's that song from uh, Gowan, uh, Guns and God? That's that's the U.S. all the yeah. way now. It's guns and God, guns See, and God. It seems like the rest of the world, the countries are trying to eliminate the death penalty. The U.S. are building an express lane. Yeah, so. yeah, they are. 
Um, what, what do you mean the guy's not guilty? No, no, quick, throw the switch, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Let's take a break, and then we come back. We'll be talking to Bills and Groaning, so stay with us. If your skepticism is socially conscious and doesn't take itself too seriously, you might like life, the universe, and everything else. Great comfort, his big stumper was literally, which came first, the chicken or the egg? A lot of the interviews took place in front of a building that said liberal arts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing that they're not all science majors. (laughs) Life, the universe, and everything else. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else. I don't know, Zoom? Is that still a thing? A Canadian, a New Yorker, and a Southern Belle walked into a podcast. And all hell broke loose. Seriously, though, what happens when we three ladies get together? Well, definitely a lot of talking. And accents. Funny accents. Well, I don't have an accent, but my co-hosts sure do. We mix North, South, and the Great White North together for two hours of pure secular discussion. Nothing is off-limits. From goofy religions like Scientology, woo like ghost hunting and alternative medicine, to hardcore history, hermeneutics, sex, and science, we cover it all. What the heck is a hermeneutic? Well, it's not a guy named Herman who sings falsetto, that's for sure. Join Beth, Ashley, and myself, Deborah, every Monday night at 9.30pm Eastern, and we take you beyond the trailer park and bring the conversation to life. Join us live on YouTube and participate in the conversation via the Q&A system, or catch us later on Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, and Nobex. Visit www.beyondthetrailerpark.com for links to the show and our upcoming schedule. Bring your wine and sweet tea and settle in for fun facts and free thinking. We happily wear the explicit tag, though, so make sure to wash out your mouth with something tasty before listening. That's live at 9.30pm Eastern on YouTube. Come give us a like and a share, no matter what type of accent you have. I've come along. It was this point of mystery, and in gets invoked God. This, over time, has been described by philosophers as the God of the gaps. If that's where you're going to put your God in this world, then God is an ever-receding pocket of scientific ignorance. When you're gone for a day, on your own, tear your heart out just to find your way. Well, today online we have author William Zingroni. He is a positive attitude towards the future of atheism is absolutely intoxicating. He's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. William, thank you so much for joining us at Left of the Valley. Thank you. Uh, William, uh, you're, uh, you're, make, you're making quite an interview yourself down the stage. You might not be as well known up here north of the 49th. Would you be so kind to give us a Reader's Digest a version of who Bill Zingroni <coughs> is? Sure. Am I saying this I, right? I'm saying uh, your name right, right? I don't know. Uh, 63-year-old developmental psychologist. I teach at a small school in central Illinois. 
Uh, I got my PhD late in life, just about 10 years ago. Absolutely love teaching. And in the same 10 years, I became a secular activist. Um, I'm chair of the uh, Illinois chapter of the Secular Coalition for America. I've been a faculty advisor to a couple different secular student alliance groups. And um, now I'm a secular author. So that's the short version. That's short version. And we're here to discuss your latest book. Yes. And we'll go ahead. We'll let you go ahead and introduce that book to us. What are we um, I wrote it. I wrote the, it's uh, entitled The Arrogance of Religious Thought, because I think all religious thinking, doesn't matter what religion it uh, underlies, <clears throat> is incredibly arrogant at a number of levels. And um, the byline is, information kills religion. It's one of my favorite phrases. I have bumper stickers on my car that say that. Um, they get a lot of looks, believe me. Um, and it truly does. The more any of us learn about the world's religions or any particular religion, the less likely you are able to still believe in them. And I felt that um, the movement you know, that took off with uh, Sam Harris's publication in 2004 of The End of Faith, mm -hmm. the New Enlightenment movement is... I call it, rather than New Atheist Movement, because it's so much more than that, um, that we're moving along, we're progressing, there's more people identifying as nuns, um, podcasts, meetups, you name it, uh, have just exploded in the last uh, decade. And um, the book market really has been saturated the last, I don't know, four or five years with mostly deconversion stories, really excellent stories. Uh, John Loftus, Mike House, Seth Andrews' deconverted book, you know, things like that. And I thought it was time for another good polemic on religion, and that's why I wrote the book. So, so I, I just love the title of the book, first of all. I mean, <laughs> the Eric Me too. Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> did you come up with that? Was that, was that a suggestion from the uh, the, uh, the editors, or was that uh, your, your... No, that's mine. I don't have editors. I, um, I'm an unknown author. It's my first book. I went through 60 or 70 literary agents, couldn't get a bite uh, uh, for the life of me. So I self-published it. Uh, I did the audio book myself. Uh, with, with a friend of mine who was uh, podcast experience, so uh, he was good with the sound, and um, published the ebook, the audio audio book, and the uh, paperback are on Amazon. It's been out just about a year, and I'm trying to get a mainstream publisher because I think with the title and subtitle, um, I could do well in the bookstores if it was sitting on the uh, new. Uh, uh, you know, new paperback shelf or new paperback table at Barnes and Noble. I think I could do well with it. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see. Mm. But yeah, no, it wasn't a suggestion from the publisher. It's all my fault. <laughs> yeah. I love that. No, I, I wish you well because you put a lot of hard hard work and dedication into it. And like Kevin, the the title is just a dynamite title, and the and the content uh, is relevant. So you know, there's no reason why you you shouldn't soar to the top with the with the right publisher. I've had a few people tell me that, and I I appreciate that comment because uh, you know, as a self published author, you don't know where you're going. And I've been I've been making the rounds of. Uh, Chicago metro area meetups. I've probably done the talk that you saw, Kevin, uh, that I did at Mythos Milwaukee. I've done a version of that talk on the book 
I don't know, a couple dozen times now over the past year. And uh, it's always very well received. So is the book. I've even sold some books overseas just through my Twitter account, you know, based on the title and nothing else. Wonderful. So I, I do think that if I, if I could get that kind of exposure, we could do well with it. And I, I really, you know, besides the fact, yes, I could use a second income, um, I'm passionate about this whole new enlightenment movement. The more information we share with people about religion and the more we make the wider culture educated, uh, the less religious it'll be and then uh, uh, the less likely we'll have another Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you get no dispute from us at this point. <laughs> no, I'm sure not. Now, uh, is, that, is that exactly what you were trying to do with the crux of your book? Are you trying to really get people to... Uh, is that the message of your book? The, the, the more information, the more open we are about atheism, the less... Uh, yes. Okay. I, I finish my talks with that pitch, that I start with, you know, the examples of arrogance, and that's what most of the chapters are about. But then the last two chapters and the end of my talk talk about, hey, this is working. This is unprecedented. Uh, when I was a kid in the 60s, uh, we had Lenny Bruce doing Religions Incorporated, and Madeline Murray was out there all by herself, really speaking about mm -hmm. what we're all talking about now. Mm -hmm. And here it is 50 years later, and again, since uh, uh, Sam Harris's End of Faith, this whole thing has really took off. The, the discussion and the critique of religion is everywhere. It's across all media. You know, podcasts like yours, all the meetups I go to around the Chicago area, there's 20 of them within 50 miles of my house. They didn't exist 10 years ago. Maybe one of them did. You know, and that's true in every city across the United States. So uh, I really end the book with and, and my talks with, yes, this is working. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm also hoping the book will intrigue people that are on the fence or piss religious people up <laughs> off enough that they'll pick up the book and go, arrogant, yeah. religion's yeah. not arrogant, and then, you know, start reading it and maybe mm. maybe get a different uh, perspective. Oh, come on, Bill. Uh, let me play devil's advocate for a second here. You can't eliminate religion. You know it's going to be there forever. Come on. What do you say? Right, right. I, I really challenge that idea. I really do in, in both my talks and in the book that uh, uh, nobody predicted the Internet. Nobody predicted gay marriage. Not even Al Gore. No, nobody in the 70s or the 80s with the, 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 the gay movement starting to really come out. If somebody would have said to them in the 80s, said, oh, don't worry about it. 30 years, boom, done. You know, gay marriage is going to blow right through 30 states and right through the Supreme Court. They would have said, what are you, nuts? Are you kidding? Right? So I'm, I'm more of an optimist in that, no, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. But what could it look like worldwide in 100 years, 500 years, 1,000 years of um, a better educated public? Because as soon as the public gets educated, it's really hard to hold on to these old myths. That's why you're seeing uh, the nuns are up to what? You know, 30% or more in the 18 to 30 age group. Uh, it's up to 22, 26% overall. Um, and we know there's a whole lot more people in the closet that just can't come out as maybe yeah. non-believers or even questioning. Because it's it still holds sway in our culture. So Fair. I'm like... No, we, we can make some real moves 
in the next 10, 20 years mm-hmm. and um, maybe someday look back on this, you know, 500 years from now and say, look at that quaint stuff they used to believe. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we have uh, Daryl Ray on, on our podcast a number of different times. He's, he's one sure. of our favorites. And one of the things he talked about the last time that he was on is his recovery from religion group. And that's just it, exponentially growing. Yeah. There are, are so many yeah. people, as you said just a minute ago, people who are either in the closet or thinking about it or coming out. Now at least they have some place that they can go and discuss these things with others and not feel isolated. So groups like that are really helping people understand, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the arrogance uh, of of religion, as you so nicely put it in your book. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a really, I'm really curious, what was the, like, kind of, what, when did you decide, like, okay, I really want to write a book? And how did you decide that this is the specific subject that you wanted to write a book about? Um, I was teaching down at Kentucky in a state school, and I started replying to letters to the editor because even though it was a state school, it was a very conservative Christian area. It was almost like going to Bob Jones University. It was kind of interesting. And so I started doing letters to the editor, and I would get all this kudos back from other faculty I've never even met that mm-hmm. said, boy, it's about time somebody said that or about time, you know, etc." So then I started writing a column for him, which uh, that was great discipline, having to get your words down to 800 words, you know, <laughs> and, and learning to edit every week. And I really, I've always enjoyed writing, but I never thought about it as, you know, uh, a second career. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a ton of feedback on the editorials or, you know, weekly column. And then I started writing a blog, and I thought, well, if you want to learn to write like any other craft, you got to do it all the time. You've got to dedicate yourself to it. That's the only way you get better. you got to do it constantly. So I started a blog, uh, it's four years ago this month, and I've written, I don't know, 480 posts. Most of them are researched pretty reasonably. Um, I always have references to them and such, or links and things of where information came from. So writing at first two, three times a week, and now I'm down about once a week after four years, but uh, uh, that's a lot of writing. And the book is drawn about half from the posts, but they're all re-edited, re-changed, so it's mm-hmm. not just a collection of you know blog posts kind of thing. And then there's a lot of new material in the book as well, because... After a couple of years of the, the uh, blog, I was like, I, I, I want to write a book. I want to get out there. And I, I really felt there was a need for an attack on religion again in the whole new, new enlightenment movement. We'd, we'd, uh, there wasn't really a big one since, um, you know, Hitchens and Dawkins were mm-hmm. 2006. Sam Harris was 2004. Uh, Victor Stenger's books were a little later. And Dan Barker republished Godless. But pretty much everything after that was mostly deconversion and how to be an atheist uh, books. And I, I thought it was time for, you know, let's let's remember what got all this started and let's go back yeah. after it. So that's what I did. So, so, so William, you know, we, we often, when we interview people, we often ask them what you, how, they, how do they feel with the status of atheism is in their country. Uh, you're an American. Uh, you're, you're the everyday lay person how what is your opinion about the status of atheism in the united states 
I think it's grown and doing really well. I think um, a lot of people have been concerned the last couple of years over the, let's say, controversies and infighting. And actually, I, it doesn't bother me. Um, we're still growing. You know, there's more nuns every year, like I said. Um, there's more podcasts. There's more meetups. So, yeah, the bigger the movement gets, the more diversity of opinion you're going to have. And you'll have the arguments and the controversies. You watched it with the civil rights movement. When the civil rights movement started in the early 60s, it was only Martin Luther King and his one way of doing everything. Well, then he was pretty damn successful. And by the late 60s, all of a sudden you had uh, Stokely Carmichael and the Student Non-Coordinating Committee. You had the Black Panthers. You had a whole range of different ways to approach civil rights. And they didn't see eye to eye, right? Mm -hmm. And you're watching, I think you're watching the same kind of thing with the bigger the atheist movement get, people are going to argue about what's the right way to do it and tell each other how they're supposed to do their, you know, non-belief and secularism. So I, I feel it's just healthy, normal growth. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel pretty good about it as long as it keeps growing and we keep chipping away at religion. Yeah. No, no, come on, Bill. You you gotta be serious here. I mean, your book your book says that you know religion is arrogant. How how could you say that? I mean, we were obviously created in the image of God. Universe was created for us. It shows. I mean, how can you how can you not accept that? I don't know. I just made it up. I guess. Right? <laughs> All religions say teach their children that they've got the right info. You know, they either their prophets talk to the right God or we've got the right interpretation and you must believe this and uh, it makes you better than the other group. Because even when people say, no, we can all talk to each other. No, if you were really neutral about it, you'd say, I don't care if my kid is a Catholic or a Muslim or a Buddhist. And that's not what anybody in those religions do. They feel like their religion is the one we've got the right goods. Well, that's arrogant as hell. The other level of arrogance is none of the religions can uh, support their claims. So it's one thing to be arrogant that uh, and truly arrogant, you know what I mean? So like if some guy in your town is the richest guy in town and he just brags about it all the time and you say, God, what an arrogant, you know, SOB. But you say, well, he does have the most money in town, so at least he's right. Religions don't even get that part right. They're arrogant as hell, and then all their claims are ludicrous and contradictory, and there's no support for any of their claims except some really old writings from ignorant times from their particular culture. And I think to make kids continue to believe that, that's the worst part of religious arrogance. So, so you, you don't accept the story that we need to be saved from... Uh uh, a couple that lived in a magical garden that took dietary advice from a talking snake? That doesn't ring a bell to you? I can't handle that. It's just another old borrowed myth, right? <laughs> Indeed it is. <laughs> uh, so so how how well received is your book so far? I mean, you you you, you people uh, has, there been, has there been a lot of criticism towards it? No, not really. I, I don't think I've had enough exposure yet. Uh, you know, like I said, I teach full-time, so any book marketing I've done has been on my own on the side on a weekend or a Wednesday night talking to, you know, a dozen people and selling three, four books at a crack, so I've moved a couple hundred books, and like I said, uh, I set up a Twitter account, and I, 
I try and throw a, a one-liner from the book on the account roughly once a week and then a plug for the book. And I don't know, I've sold a dozen books um, or more through Twitter and a couple in Europe, one in Australia, a couple more in Great Britain, you know. So I'm like, wow, that's, that's you know, that's kind of wild. These people don't know me. They haven't heard me speak. Um, so I think it's gone fine. I've gotten very little let's say, real negative feedback, but I don't know if I'm big enough yet to have any fleas, shall we say, right? <laughs> I love that, fleas. Uh, so, so uh, William, you're, you said you're a teacher, um, so you uh, obviously have your finger on the pulse of the next generation, and when you're seeing kids uh, today, uh, are, they ex- are they accepting of uh, evolution and atheistic uh well, what's going on with the, the next generation, or do you see a resurgence of Christianity? Um, I've been doing like an informal poll for eight years now with all my students, and depending where I'm teaching, I may teach 100 to 200 students every semester. And I've been running closer to 35, 40% not religious out of my groups, which I have a, you know, a subpopulation of college kids, not the general population, but even so, um, uh, you know, out of 30 kids, one or two will identify as atheist or agnostic. A lot of them put uh, not religious or spiritual not religious or just N.A. And um, the kids that do identify as Christians, uh, they are not their grandparents' Christians. My 18 to 22-year-old students, uh, they don't care what sexual orientation you are. They don't care what your sexual presses are. They don't care um, what color you are. So even if they identify as Christians, their concerns are not like their grandparents. Um, they're, they're very much more liberal-oriented. They live in the modern world, and they're too connected with their... Uh, you know, 24-7 internet on the, in the palm of their hands um, that they think is normal, mm-hmm. right? Um, to be the type of, uh, in the Christian cocoon that, you know, their grandparents were. So that's, that's what I see as far as uh, if it's a resurgence, it's, it's much milder. And I and really don't see a resurgence. You see uh, more and more uh, people just saying, no, I'm not religious uh, than ever before. You know, if there's one thing we got to give Christianity is it has a tendency to adapt. I mean, it's the only reason it's survived so long at this point. Um, <laughs> are you are you yeah. are you seeing? You know, from, from uh, like you said, the the, the 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 kids today they're not they're not your, your grandparents Christians, but are are you seeing them? Uh, the the kids that are religious are they are, are they adapting their beliefs? Yeah, they're pretty liberal. Um, I've always said Christianity, the history of Christianity is, yeah, can't talk. The history, you can edit that one out. The history of Christianity is the jettisoning jettisoning of uh, one verse after another. And you're right, they adapt by, they keep throwing more verses, mostly out of the Old Testament, out. And um, like I said, the kids today, even the Christian ones, they don't pay attention to Leviticus that you know homosexuality <laughs> is an abomination, and uh, they're much more open to evolution and 
uh, if they take any college courses, they're going to get a lot of it. They get it in psych class. They get it in bio class. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're going to get exposed. There's just too much information out there. It's tough to hang on to the, the religious uh, mythology, I guess. With with your book um, and and your your giving um, you know so many many talks at this point, do you find that there's any one chapter in in the book that strikes a chord more than uh, any of the other chapters with with people who have read it? Yeah, maybe chapter seven on child indoctrination. Um, even when when I first was exposed to the the attitude that uh, uh, Richard Dawkins put out in his his book that, you know, it's it's child abuse to raise kids in a religion. I got defensive, and I tell the story in the book. I was like, wow, can you really say that? Gee, my parents raised me Catholic. That wasn't so bad, you know. And I, I, I did, you know, even though I was already an atheist and a secularist, um, it was like, wow, ooh, is that too far? Well, I got over that in about a week. Um uh, that one still strikes a chord with a lot of people because they get like, well, you know, it's okay to teach your kids religion. That's not all bad. And I pretty much take the hardcore line that Lawrence Krauss and others do that uh, child, in, uh, child indoctrination is child abuse. When you lie to kids from any culture that this religion, this knowledge is true, okay, when it has absolutely no support, it's mythology. You wouldn't teach your kid Greek mythology and say, you better believe in Zeus. No, you tell them the truth and say, well, some culture a thousand, couple thousand years ago used to believe in this stuff, but it's all mythology. Well, you should be saying the same thing about Hebrew mythology and the entire Bible or Arabic mythology, the Quran. And yet we still teach kids like this is the real deal. And uh, that's an out and out lie. There's no support for those mythologies whatsoever. So... Yeah. Um, that's probably the, the chapter that gets to people more than any other. Yeah, come on, Bill. What are you talking about? You're fighting against tradition here. Islam's been around for go. 1,600 years. <laughs> Christianity, yeah. 2,000 years. You can't fight that. That's right. Um, what's interesting about that is I'll ask my own kids, and it's funny, my kids, uh, my youngest kids are uh, 20 and 22, and uh, they've never been to church, at least not with us. But then I don't think they've read my book either. Uh, they're just not interested. They're kind of apathetic to it all. And uh, but they're very aware that most of their friends and them just aren't too interested in religion. So I asked them. I said, "Why? You know, why is it? Why, why do most of your friends not buy into religion very much?" And the first answer was, "Well, Jesus is just like Santa Claus." The second answer was. Well, the Internet, there's too much information, okay? But the third answer was interesting. Um, my son said most of his friends weren't raised religious. And there's your tradition you just mentioned. That tradition has changed a lot, again, since I was a kid in the 60s. Everybody was religious. You were raised Catholic, Methodist, Protestant, some form of Christianity. Nobody really gave it a thought, but there were no atheists. Atheists were, you know, Stalin and Mao, and um, uh, if you heard of Madeleine Murray O'Hare, um, everybody was just religious because everybody raised their kid in a religious setting, even if it was very liberal. Mine was very liberal. It wasn't coerced. We just kind of happened to be Catholic, 
and uh, so I could leave it very easily. But everybody went to church, and that's not true. Uh, this generation, a third or more of the kids, uh, 40%, 50% in some areas, their parents have never raised them in a religion like my parents did. So that tradition's dying away really quick. Mm-hmm. So, William, when you're looking at the future, it's kind of a silly question to ask, but how positive are you? Uh, very, that if we keep, um, it won't be easy, let's put it that way. I think um, uh, Sarah Hader the, from Ex-Muslims of North America, I, I don't have her exact words, she said it really well. She said something like, progress does happen, but not without a fight. You know, if we just sit back and let the conservatives uh, uh, push us back to the 1950s, they'll do it if we give them the chance. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, uh, if you're familiar with the writer James Hout, uh, he's writing for United Coalition of Reason right now. He's, he's a little older than me. Uh, he had an excellent column saying, conservatives always lose. Liberals eventually win. When I first read that, I'm like, are you kidding? Look what's going on right now. But he's right. We, we grew up in the 50s and 60s, and the early 60s of the United States was a conservative Christian. Uh, we, we ran by their laws, uh, and it's changed a lot. Uh, so I'm very optimistic to the future. Uh, even when you look at what's going on in our current administration, everything Trump is trying to ram through he runs up against the courts, popular opinion. It's not that easy to turn us back to the 1950s. He's going to do some damage, no doubt. But the minute the pendulum swings the other way in the next administration or two, we're going to undo all that stuff and move forward again. And that's kind of how it works. Yeah, uh, maybe. And you'll never, I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, we're never going to be able to take us back to the 1950s and undo the Civil Rights Act. Um, completely undo uh, acceptance of gays in the wider culture, even if somehow they got rid of gay marriage or something, which is highly unlikely. I mean, they're going to take us two steps back, but we've moved eight steps forward since 1965. And five to ten years from now, we'll make four more steps because you're watching the whole culture. Like I said, I'm so optimistic because I see all this grassroots activity uh, going on and this discussion and I want to keep pushing the discussion to the wider public. I think if, if uh, the only good thing you can say about Trump at the administration is they're making oh, ma- you many more. Trump. Yeah, but it's, you're, you're making many more people aware of how important our democratic institutions are, and people are coalescing in order to preserve them and perhaps understand how important it is to you know to be secular rather than be forced to uh, you know to deal with with the bills and policies that the evangelicals keep keep throwing at us. So right. maybe maybe Trump is the biggest lesson that, uh, that that the US and maybe even the world has of um, let's let's get away from right. this and and let's you know be be more secular and um, and, and yeah. less arrogant about our our government postures. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, personally... I I really hope the secular rebound to Trump in I, the next 5 10 years is I... going to be huge. I don't yes. know. I, I personally feel that I, I like having religion shoved down my throat. <laughs> you know, I, I like being told what to think and how to think it. You like the gag reflex, huh? Yeah, I love the gag <laughs> reflex that comes with that. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Bill, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. If people want to find out more about how to get your books or they want to contact you, where can they find you? Uh, probably best place is my website, which is very easy to remember, www.wearedone.org. So we are done nice. one sentence. It means right. we are done with religion. We are done dot org. Um, you know, my my videos are there. The book is there. You can click on that and order the book. Uh, I'm on Amazon with both the paper book and the audio. Yeah, paperback and the audio book. Um, so that's probably the two easiest places: my website and Amazon. Excellent, Bill. Before I let you go, I gotta have you say hi. I'm Bill Zingroni, and I took a left at the valley. Hi, I'm Bill Zingroni, and I took a left at the valley. And that was Bill Zingroni. I hope I'm saying this right. I think I am. Yeah, nice guy. Positive guy. I love this yeah. guy's attitude. You I'm, know, he, I'm super excited to read his book. Yes, and he just kind of says it straight as it is, and you got to really, really appreciate that. So. Yeah, well, he's coming. He's coming at it with his book at a at a different uh, different slant, and I think he's right. The timing is good. So, wish him all the luck in the world, and uh, anybody who's listening, go to the website and yeah, buy one. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> we are done. We are done. It's really easy to remember. We'll put them in the notes of the show anyway. So, thank you so much, guys, for joining us on the show today. Thank you for the birthday um, podcast. Hey, where's my music? There we go. <laughs> Perfect. Get my music good. Where's my music? It's not cute. <laughs> good job, Kevin. Thank you. Thank Come you. On, what Kevin. are we professional? I'm such a professional. <laughs> you can follow us at leftatvalley.com. You can find us at LATV, at LATV Podcast on Twitter or find us on Facebook. You can send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com. Send your birthday wishes or complaints to Nancy. Care of. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we should be talking to Ajit the Vegan. That will be interesting. We'll deal into <laughs> veganism. And a whole bunch of us are carnivores. That should be a bloodbath. <laughs> On the 21st, we'll have the Brony Show. Well, I should be talking about the phenomenons of Brony. It's going to be such a weird show. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> and, of course, we kept the end of the month with Andrea Garachan. She's going to be talking to us about uh, the devil just in time for Halloween. And I want to hear a horror story from all of you. Uh, so my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> that might take longer than a whole show. <laughs> oh, and uh, good news. I also got Andrew Torres. <gasps> that oh, my come- God. Relax. Relax. He'll be coming to talk to us on the show about the Johnson Amendment and everything that's been going on in the States. I love Andrew Torres. Um, the opening argument podcast. He's yeah. amazing. Yes. <laughs> and he, he's really good because he's got to do this and keep Eli Bosnick at bay at the same time. <laughs> and that is a hard job. That sounds like a hard job. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Anything else I need to say? Read, Read Harry, Harry Potter. Hey, you don't. I can't believe you just stole my line, Kirsten. I can't believe you just did that. <sighs> this is why I drink. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Until next time. Anything that contradicts history denies evolution, hates science, promotes mystery. I'd rather see the truth than to bask in my own ignorance. Rather be alone than surrounded by damn idiots. As long as there's a breath in my body, you can bet your last dollar I'll be working hard fighting this problem. It comes from culture, only true on a regional scale. Science is universal. Were you to say that Horus isn't real, but Jesus is, or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them. I think the reason is apparent. You do what you're told, and 
believe in the God assigned by your parents. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Something to be ashamed. 